Welcome to the Realizing Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Christensen. This is where we dive in each week to chat about parenting, education, and realizing our children's genius. I'm an educator with a background in individualizing learning, and I'm obsessed with helping people find and nurture that genius in their children and themselves. Let's dive in. Hey, geniuses. Today I have Dennis DeNoya with me from Mr. D's Math. And oh, Dennis, I am so grateful you're here today. Oh, Heidi, super excited to be here and meet your community. Hello, geniuses. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now I got to know Mr. D's Math. I've I've been homeschooling for decades now, but and I've I've heard it kind of on the outskirts. And um I think my son did a little bit, one of my sons did a little bit with you, um, kind of as a, a supplement to an uh, an in-person class. And then this was years ago, pre-COVID, but I met um, Henderson, um, what is his last name? But Henderson. Riley. Henderson Riley. Riley. We, we Henderson call him. Riley. Yeah. So we're kind of, you know, you remember the movie Men in Black? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we, we borrowed something from them. So, you know, like uh -huh. if you go back to Men in Black and it's Agent, J, uh, Agent J, Agent K, you know, they go by the initials. That's why everybody on our staff, it's there's I'm Mr. D because no one can pronounce my last name. Henderson, <laughs> uh, they can't remember his name. So we call him Mr. H. And so we have a, a Mr. H and a Mrs. G and a Mr. B. And a, <laughs> so it's kind of fun. We just use the initials that way. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Henderson was right next to me at the Great Homeschool Convention in Missouri and I was just blown away. First of all, he is such a great guy. I just love him. And I got to get to know him uh, more because we just, uh, you know, connected at the other great homeschool conventions. But one thing that really impressed me was there were so many students at every single location that came up and they were just like, oh, Mr. H, you know, and parents that would come up and give them hugs and, and, they obviously were just so well taken care of um, and they, they loved your program. And so I just, I, I'm so grateful you're here today because I really wanted to talk to you about Mr. D Matt and what makes it, what makes it so special? Obviously it's people like, you know, Henderson, but I know there's more to it. So what's yeah. your philosophy? Well, I'll start with Mr. H. So it, it's kind of funny. So here's how I met. Uh, here's how I met Henderson. So I um, I used to live in Sarasota, Florida, and Henderson is from Sarasota, Florida. So we kind of, we were all Florida guys. I used to be a public school teacher. Turns out he was teaching at the school that I was teaching at, and he had the same, he was the math department head, and I was the math department head. A friend of ours, we had a mutual friend who said, you've got to meet this guy, because by then I had left and I started writing curriculum, and we were getting into, you know, doing everything we do with our homeschool families. And uh, and I needed more teachers. And so they uh, my our friend said, meet meet this guy. So she invited me to his birthday party. And so I went to his birthday. I shook his hand and it was just one of those things. I looked at him and I said, you're the one. And he said, I don't know what that means, but whatever it is, I'm really interested. And so we started talking. And after that, uh, I started giving him our, our courses and he looked at it and he, he within a week, he called me and he goes, can I use this with my students in public school? <laughs> yeah, man, you can do whatever you want, right? And so he started using some of the skills. He's learned all of our content materials and then um, we kind of plucked them out of the school system. And he's been with me now for about 10 years. So um, he's he's awesome. He's awesome. And all of our teachers are like that. So they're all 
Uh, they all um, they either have a, a, a teaching background where they came on and worked with us. We did a two-year training program with any of our math teachers. And so the two-year training program looked like this to be able to be an online teacher is that they had to do the course in their own hometown first as a co-op. And so our teachers all have that background. They've got that co-op background. Uh, we have one other teacher that we actually kind of plucked out of the public school system who Henderson personally trained, so it was great. But then we have something that is a little unique to our program. So when young people take our program, they can take our classes where they do a, a live class or a self-paced class. And then we also give them three days a week, no matter how they do the class, that they can come to our extra help sessions, which means they come in and we have teachers that meet with the students and they just come in and ask questions. So we have all the Algebra 1 kids come together, the pre-calculus kids come together, and they can ask questions about wherever they are in their course. So we give the second year of training to the teachers to do those extra help sessions. So we know it's almost like remember the TV show MASH. It was like they just they could they were like these amazing doctors that just operated under the most crazy conditions. And so we feel like that with our with our teachers. It's like if they can handle an extra help session, kids coming in and asking questions from anywhere in the course at any time they can handle teaching our live classes. So it's a super rigorous two-year training program. So that's our uh, that's our staff, right? And they're all, they all, they love homeschooling. They've been around homeschooling. They homeschool their own kids. So it, it, that part has been really, really amazing to have our staff. But I know you asked me about our philosophy. Uh, so, you know, the philosophy is, is uh, for me, it's that I've always looked at math as a language-based um, subject. You know, and if you think about the idea of that in our, one of our first that first sessions, we, you know, we tell kids, what is the definition of language? And so we tell them it's a it's a system and we're communicating and we're communicating with the use of sounds or conventional symbols. And so if you go through math, math is a system. We definitely communicate and we all look at the same symbols and the symbols all mean the same thing to us. So we can approach math like a language. And so we teach it that way. So we focus on the words. And, you know, if, uh, if you think and we see this all the time, we do test prep and our students come to us. They always know how to do the math. They just don't know what the questions are asking them to do. And so they don't understand the words. And so that's where we focus on. Well, what do the words mean? And we're going to teach them the math at the same time. But it's usually not the math that gets in the way. It's the language in between. So really, our philosophy is it's language based. Um, the other thing is that we, you know, we we love what we do and we want kids to love what they do. So we want to try to make it as fun as possible for them. So we do all kinds of contests and things like that throughout the year for students. They do puzzles they have to work on. They make videos for us. Uh, and we do a big video contest where they tell us about how the program's working. Um, and to the point there, then we started getting other homeschools and most <laughs> they either were homeschool moms that we did work with in co-ops or their former students who came to us and said, hey, I'm getting into homeschool education and I want to create courses. So we have other courses, but it's all come from people that we know from our own homeschooling experience. So our American Sign Language um, courses, our grammar classes, everything that we've put together has either been former students or moms that we've worked with in, home, in, uh, in homeschool co-ops. So that's, that's it. We're, we're very family oriented is probably a good way to say that. Oh, that, that is awesome. I love that. I love that. And it, I mean, one of the things I, I do is I work with a lot of um, homeschoolers that have developed a business and are trying to serve the homeschooling community because it really does become your life, especially when you have the little kids and helping them kind of move into that and have that additional, I, I just, I feel like entrepreneurship is something that if we are entrepreneurs, we're sharing that with our kids, whether they're part of the business or not. And they have right. that entrepreneur 
um, mindset is something that is so, so helpful in anything you do. So. Absolutely. I, I tell people all the time, they go, well, what do you do for a living? And I say, well, I'm actually an entrepreneur and uh, my product is education and that's how we work. Right. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. 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 Well, you must have just been booming though with COVID just with everybody who had to just immediately go online. Um, how did that affect your, your business and everything like that? And how is it kind of, is that changing now that mm. we're not all at home and yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. And, you know, when COVID, when COVID happened and pandemic happened and everybody was kind of like, and, you know, lockdown, shut down, wherever they were, depending on where they live, not how places were, but, um, you know, we, we started to notice we were seeing, we were getting more requests to do our program because people were at home and we always qualified questions with people were this, where are you a homeschool family? So we, you know, I think we probably could have gone after everybody that was displaced and at home and we chose not to, and it was totally on purpose um, because we really wanted to work with homeschool families and not just people that were going to be, well, I need something kind of that temporary fix for whatever it is until we go back to school. Um, so that was the first thing is that we, you know, that we focused on homeschool families. So we did see a growth, but we, we probably could have seen a bigger growth, but I'm happy that we didn't because we really want homeschool families to be the ones that are our customers and the people that we get to work with and support. So that was, the, that was the first thing, but we did see things grow and our business, our business has been growing consistently ever since, you know, I, we, we started, I started this in 2010 and we've been going through this consistent growth, you know, year after year after year, and we're still growing, which is great. Uh, so the pandemic did not take away from that. Um, and it's interesting because it's like when you get the trend, like everybody went online. And I think one of the things that we found out that we saw, one thing I could tell you for sure is that before the pandemic, Whenever we would do our first week of live classes and we've been using Zoom, we started using Zoom, uh, I want to say back in 2000, maybe 2018, 2017, 2018. So before most people had even heard of Zoom, we were already using Zoom. Uh, and so what was interesting, though, is when the pandemic began and the kids were at home, that at first, before prior pandemic, on our first day of classes, we did a lot of training with kids on how to use Zoom and how to turn your cameras on, how to mute your line, how to use a chat, how to send a private message, like all those different things. And after the pandemic is happening, we didn't have to do that anymore. So it was kind of an interesting thing. It was like all of a sudden everybody figured out how to use Zoom, which was awesome, uh, or whatever platform they were using. But kids were they were used to the idea of doing that that online format. What I think I've seen, and again, I'm, you know, it's kind of like we're looking, right? We're always looking to see what's happening out there and, and what new trends are and things and things like that. But I think, um, you know, we noticed one thing is that one thing was for um, this past summer, but last summer for sure, this summer too, you know, people wanted to get back to their lives and they wanted to get outside. And that was one thing. And so we did notice a lot more people like we have summer programs and they're like, oh my gosh, no, I'm doing this camp and this camp and we're doing this family vacation. And we waited and we had to cancel our family vacation. So people were getting back into their lives, which was so, we were, we were grateful for that. Uh, and so it was interesting because when they wanted to do our summer course, they wanted to know the time commitment. And for a lot of people, it didn't work because our summer programs, kids are literally doing the entire year in an 11-week course. So we triple the time that they're spending in the course. 
but that supports kids that either want to work ahead or maybe they're trying to get caught up or they or they want that year-round school experience. But then we found it was like for a lot of them, it's like, I'm not going to have time to do that because we're going on a family vacation that we haven't got to go on. So one thing was people wanted to get back outside. So we've seen that post-pandemic. And I think the other thing, what we've noticed is that a lot of families are looking at we want to get off the computers and we want to get kids back to where they're, you know, they're, they're doing things where they don't rely on the computer anymore. They don't rely on the online. And what's interesting to me is I, you know, and I do hear people like, oh yeah, we want to get back in the world of a textbook. And, you know, for me, I started teaching and this is kind of funny. I started teaching in 1988. So I'm an old timer to education, you know, 30 plus years. And, you know, here we are now. And one of the things that I would see over and over again, I started as a public school teacher, and the things that I saw over and over again with students was we'd come back and they'd have an assignment, they'd come back the next day, and they didn't know what to do because they couldn't read, not that they couldn't read, but they couldn't understand what they were reading is a better way to say it. They could read, but they didn't understand what they were reading in the textbook. And the textbook will deal with one kind of learning style. You know, and it's like you've got to read it, assimilate the, you know, you've got to get the information and you got to and then you've got to be able to, to give it back. But I knew that just being in front of a classroom, there were students that needed to see what I was doing. They needed to hear what I was doing. And for some that they needed to read what they were doing and they needed to take their own notes and write things down for themselves. So when I first started looking at developing courses for me, discovering the technology that allowed me to make videos was for me, it was perfect because I knew that I could address all the learning styles at one time. So the kids, they could hear it, see it, touch it, write, write, you know, write their own notes and do their own things. And so we, you know, we always encourage them that we want them writing notes. We're doing a lot of definitions. And so sometimes we're doing the definitions in a video and it's like, okay, write this down. And that's their practice problem. They're defining the words. So they're going to do it anyway. So we want them doing that. Um, and it's interesting now because I really understand people saying, hey, let's get less computer time and more back to back to normal life, what normal life used to look like. But when it comes to the textbook versus how we can do video-based instruction and the video-based instruction, how it comes on to getting a pencil and paper, because we definitely want young people writing things down. Um, for me, it's still the way to go. And I think right now it's like people are still trying to figure out, you know, well, if I go back to that textbook, I think they're going to discover it's like, if it hits that one learning style, you're in great shape. If it doesn't, you're gonna they're gonna be back to looking. What else can we do? So we're gonna keep doing what we're doing because because yeah. we know that we're we're out to address all students and all families and all learning styles. And that's always been our that's always been our background, which is another another part of our philosophy is we want everyone to have the opportunity to learn. Oh, I love that. Yeah, no, that is so true. And with math especially in the homeschool community. I know that that's like one of the things that unless, unless a parent was a math major or did really well in math in school themselves, it's always the, the one that they're kind of afraid of. It's like, Oh, you know, just here, throw a textbook out them, throw whatever. And I know I was, right. I was guilty of that in some ways as well. Um, but you're so right with the different learning styles. And there's so many kids that, their learning style isn't the textbook. They don't do that. And so having, I, I don't know, I, I personally, I feel like the recordings, the the live sessions, things like that are the ideal way is to do math in this right. way. So yeah. yeah. 
And, and something about our live session. So I think about my, my days as a public school teacher, and I think about my days as leading a live online class, and they're so different. Um, and I think one of the things that happened was public schools, you know, they were like, oh, we'll just do it online. And they really failed, like, because they just thought they could do it, right? Yeah. Being Doing a live online class is very, very different because there's so many things that you're that you have to be aware of. You know, number one is like you're broadcasting into somebody's living room, right? And you're competing with brothers, sisters, dogs, cats, babies, doorbells ringing, phones ringing. You know, um, other other browsers open, Instagram going off, or Facebook or whatever, Snapchat, whatever the kids are doing, right? I'm thinking more yeah. of my own world, right? The, the social media, yeah. and so we're competing with all of that, and we have to be able to get past that. You know, and so how do we do that? So that was the first thing. But for me, the second thing was, and this was the biggest thing, is that when I would ask a question, so I think about I'd be a public school teacher. And even I think um, families that go to co-ops, I think that oftentimes um, the leaders of the co-ops, the, the instructors will run into the same thing. You have a group of students, you got 20, 25, 30 students, whatever you have, and you want to ask a question to the group. And when you ask, and especially with teenagers, right? And so our courses are middle school and up, right? Middle school and high school. So the teenagers are less likely to raise their hand, even if they know the answer, because they don't want to say something weird. And they may not, and they're not going to ask a question because they, again, they don't want to sound weird, right? And they don't want to be judged by their peers or look however it's going to look. And so what, what I would notice is as a public school teacher, I might ask a question to a group of students, five kids are going to raise their hand and I only am going to pick one to answer the question, whether it's right or wrong. And, you know, in a, in a live online class, I can ask a question and the students can all answer the question at the same time. So they can send me a, a private message via chat and it's private, which means no one else is going to see it. So I'm the only one looking at their answer. So if I get all 20 kids or 15 out of 20 that responding, that's still better than the five. And I don't have to pick just one. But I can look and see if of those 15 that answered and 10 of them have the same wrong answer. Now I know there's something that I said that didn't go over well and I need to start reteaching, right? So it's it's instant feedback back to me as the instructor. The other thing it does is if a student writes back in the chat and they have a question and they say, I'm not really sure what you're asking or can you explain it another way? They can ask me that and I can do that without saying, oh, you know, Johnny said we need to, you know, right? It's like, hey, you know, let's just look at this one more way and maybe we can look at it a different way. So what it does is it creates this amazing level of safety in the ability for young people to communicate. And for me, it's like, I get so much more participation that way because the kids are, they're, they're, it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to get something wrong or right. And it's not going to sound weird to anybody because I'm the only one looking at it. Same with our teachers as well. But for me, that for me, it's just it's just for me, it's golden when it comes to the live online classes, because we get to do that with young people. And it creates that that space of safety for them, that they're free to communicate in a way that they're not being felt like somebody's listening to what they're saying or they might say it wrong. Oh, that is so true. I mean, I'm so grateful to hear that because I know uh, math, especially for the middle school and high school that is when um, the parents, that's when they really need it. I, I, I didn't want to have to learn geometry and algebra right? again. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a, here's a funny thing, right? If you think back and you think back to algebra, right? Now, you probably learned the quadratic formula at some point in your high school career, right? And 
you know, and then, and then as time went on, you likely forgot what the quadratic formula was. And I, you're probably your listeners right now are going like, yeah, I don't remember. Let's see, it's the X equals and they get stuck there. Right. Yeah. But here's the thing that people don't really deal with. Right. And it's this. And when, when parents tell me about, you know, they, they, they don't remember the quadratic formula. The thing that I ask them is, okay, when did you forget? And they never can answer that question because they don't know. Like, I don't even know when I forgot, right? So it's that thing about, about using it over and over again, right? So we're doing that with the students and we're always, that's why we have them write everything down. But for moms, especially, you know, and dads as well that are that are being the instructors and doing the things that they're doing, it's like you just said, it's like you don't remember those things and now you're back and you're trying to relearn it all. And the best that you've got is how someone taught you. Yeah. Right. So you've got what someone else did, which was a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, anyway, maybe a little bit longer than that. And now you're going to you're going to reteach it in a way that you learned it, which, again, if you have if <laughs> your kids at home, they don't have the same learning style you have. And so now you've got this one way to do it. And it doesn't really make sense to you, but you've got it enough that you could say your way. But if they if it's not the way that they learn, they're not going to get it. And yeah, so I, you know, it's and it was for me, it was like when we could start to bring our programs to people, that's why they loved it so much, because it was like, wow, you're taking this burden off our plate and that we don't have to go back and learn this all again. Except we do get moms that they email us all the time. They're going, I was watching the video. It's like, oh my gosh, I finally understand this. And I, uh, why didn't they teach us to me this way when I was in school? Because now it makes sense. So it's kind of funny to watch yeah. that too. Yeah, I think it happens no. in a lot of subject areas for parents too. They're like, oh, it finally makes sense now, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I know. And it is it's it is funny because I, I know, I have a good friend who basically says that homeschooling fixes two generations at once because, <laughs> yeah, funny. because, yeah, I mean, I didn't like school. I had, I was, I was okay at it, but I mean, like history, it was, it made no sense to me. Uh, but once I started homeschooling, I loved history because it's like, oh my gosh, this happened and this happened. It was very logical. It wasn't like, you know, I was taught, you know, Chinese history one year and then, um, world history another year and U S history another year. And it didn't, none of it meshed. And, um, that was just really hard, but I, ended up getting my teaching credential in, um, in social studies so that, because I loved it so That's much. Funny. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but having, having math taught by someone who loves it and someone who understands learning styles, mm. uh, and who is willing to work with each of the kids. I mean, really you, you guys aren't just teachers. You're also mentors. Um, and that is something that I, I am passionate about it is having mentors for our kids, not just teachers, uh, uh, because, um, yeah, there's, you know, when you're teaching a class like on algebra or geometry or whatever, there are certain things you have to cover, but, you know, so you, you definitely are filling that bucket and checking off those boxes. But if you're able to meet the needs and it sounds like, you know, by understanding child development and that these kids, they're not talking for a reason and if you can meet them where they are that's that's true mentoring is is looking at each of the kids and, and meeting their needs so that's, that's oh, amazing that's great well what's funny is my graduate degree I, I i was looking at going to graduate school and it's kind of a funny story this was a long time ago uh 
but I'm looking at grad school and I had, um, you know, one of the things I looked at was, well, I could get a master's degree in math. And I thought about it. I thought, man, that sounds like a lot of homework. And I already know how to do math. I don't know that I really want to do that. Right. And I didn't. So what I ended up doing instead was I actually went the graduate work of getting a master's degree in counseling and psychology because I was really interested in, well, how do people learn and, and what's going on in their lives? And, you know, and that had made me such a better instructor because I was paying attention more to what's going on in what they're thinking, not necessarily what I was saying. And that has made a big difference for, and our, our staff does the same thing because they just, they just love on our kids, you know, and, uh, but, yeah. but they, you know, they work from our videos and our videos are designed that way to kind of get in their world about what they're thinking about. Even definitions we use, it's if you remember reading a math definition and then you had to go look up the words in the definition because you didn't understand the definition, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the, even the definitions purposely made them in a language that kids understand completely on purpose because we want them to understand it, not have to now you have to define all the words in the definition just so you can kind of get to what the definition might be saying and still is confusing. So same idea. I was like, we were trying to get, well, what are, where are kids and where are they at? And instead of, instead of them, you know, there's that saying about, well, we want them to come up to our level. And you just said, it, it was like, we don't, we don't want to do that. We want to get on their level so that we're talking to them in their language in a language they understand. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that allows you to connect. And oh, I love that. That that is so fascinating that that's what you got your master's yeah. degree. <laughs> well, and it was all about how much homework there was gonna be. And I thought, well, let's see, I can sit in class and talk about my feelings and write some papers. Yeah, I want to do that, right? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. No, but I could definitely see how that would be so much more impactful for an educator. Um, and especially in math math and science, um, too often the stereotype is that math and science um, people are, are too much in their own head and can't connect. And so being able to do that, I know has probably, I know it has been a huge blessing for um, everyone that you work with because you know how to do that. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it makes it more fun that way. It's like, we don't take it too serious. It's like, we're just, we're just out there to love learning together. That's really what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that is amazing. Um, if there was one thing you could tell um, a, a homeschool parent who might be frustrated with, with their math program, um, what would you tell them? Mm. Um, the first thing is start having your kids teach you. Oh. You know, give them the problem and let them work it out and then let them come back and start teaching you. And the more that young people are reteaching whatever they're learning about, the more that the better they're understanding. Because once you teach someone else how to do something, you understand it more. And if you think about that, it's here, here's my evidence, right? How many homeschool moms and people listening right now, how many of you have come back and said, oh my gosh, this finally makes sense to me as you're the one that's teaching it because now it's the way that you communicate. So I think the biggest thing is having kids be able to, to be able to reteach what they're learning about. And if they're really, really struggling, then take a look and see, are there other programs out there? Like kind of focus on, well, how do they best learn and what's their learning style? And find out from there how that, to find a program that they can teach it to you. And when you find that program, you've got gold. And again, it becomes that we're taking the pressure off of moms and dads of having to be the ones that understand everything and then reteach it all. We want young people to do that. And for them, the more that they can learn to reteach what they're learning about, 
they're literally becoming independent. They're becoming responsible. And we call them independently responsible learners, right? They're, they're, that's that self-directed learning that once they start to feel comfortable with that and reteaching, there's so many things that connect in the brain. And it deals with long-term memory instead of short-term memory. And that's huge. Oh, that is huge. That is huge. Oh my goodness. Well, Dennis, we have run out of time, but oh, this was so amazing. Thank this you so fun. much. Oh, my pleasure. This was totally fun. I'm, I'm glad I got to do it and I'll come back and do it again sometime if that works for you guys. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you. Oh, very good. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Realizing Genius podcast. Head over to realizinggenius.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links and to share your ideas of anyone you would like to have me interview. Have a wonderful week realizing your genius.